Football season may be seven months away. We don't like talking about that. We do like talking about expectations. Could win, should win, will win for the Florida State Seminoles in 2023 on today's edition of Locked on Seminoles. As Drake would say, let's ride. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host today, Dave, and beside me is not Drake, but it's a face you know and you love from back in the day. This is Max. Max, how you doing? Good, man. Sorry, I had to uh, had to adjust the chair a little bit. I realized I was uh, I was riding very, very low like uh, like exhibit in the 90s. So um, had to fix that up a little. I'm here, man. I appreciate you having me. And, you know, it feels good to be here as a uh, as a sub, not a. You know, not not just as a guest, but as a as a true substitute for for our boy Drizzy Drake Rogers. Well, it is always great having you back on, and it is always great to be talking to you folks today. We appreciate you being here, and we have a fun episode because we're talking actual football. We're not trying to do filler. Um, it may be the off season, but why not look ahead? Why not talk expectations for twenty twenty three? We like doing this exercise we've done from time to time called "Could Win, Should Win, Will Win." How many games could the Seminoles win in 2023? That seems to be like a best case scenario type thing. Everything goes right. You, you get injury luck. Your schedule lines up correctly. Uh, should win, I guess, being kind of the realistic um, average injury luck. Uh, your schedule is not great, not awful. And then will win. Like, what would be like kind of a disappointment? Uh, what what would make 2020-23 a failure uh, in in fans' eyes? So I guess let's start off with the happiest of the three, the could win. Uh, this is, like we said, let, let's talk best case scenario. Everything lines up. The coaching just clicks. The players are performing. Uh, Mike, Mike Rovell's getting the most out of the team that he can, which he's, I think, shown a penchant to do. Max, what does your best case scenario look like for the 2023 Seminoles? Yeah, so this is the, the segment where I think fans get mad, right, if we don't say national championship. Um but if we're talking everything goes right and, you know, what could you do? I, I think it's a college football playoff appearance. And I want to say TCU got there so we could get there. But I think you're probably I – don't, I don't think probably you are better than this last year's TCU team. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in the current four-team uh, format, you, you are not going to get the TCU – gimme. I, I, dude, to be honest, I don't understand why they got that. I, I don't think I'll ever understand how you lose to – whatever it was, three or four lost Kansas State in your conference championship, and you still go. Um, when it's, you know, you've basically lucked your way to victory, right? Like, you look at their their track record. The Cover 3 podcast did an amazing job of harping on this, but anyone that watched the games knows the most dangerous thing a quarterback could do in the year of our Lord 2022 was play against the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs. Every quarterback they played against seemed to get hurt, and they got great injury luck. And they kept willing their way to victory. And then they lose a conference championship. They still get in, folks. Unfortunately, don't hate the player, hate the game. I don't think the college football playoff does that for us. And unfortunately, we have to play Clemson twice. But if everything goes right and you beat Clemson twice, you beat LSU, you're probably in the college football playoff. I don't see a scenario, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, where you have an undefeated Florida State team that doesn't make it to the playoff. The problem is, but we'll, we'll get to that in the next segment. So I think could, 
the ceiling for this team is a college football playoff appearance. And I would venture as far to say, because we're saying if everything goes right, if you get in as a higher than a four seed and don't draw Georgia in round one, you could see yourself in the title game. I think that is a very realistic ceiling for this team is a national championship appearance because frankly, you have the tools to do it and you've got the schedule that lines up in a way that both you could win all your games, but you also will get the resume points. So you should be able to get there. Yeah. And so we did this exercise last week where we, we went through the schedule. We did a kind of a win projection schedule breakdown. We just did binary winner loss for each game. Um, and individually, when you go game by game, I had Florida State winning each one. And you're going to learn an awful lot about whether the could win scenario is realistic the very opening weekend. Because the L- that LSU game might probably will be your toughest test on the season, especially with what they're doing in the transfer portal, how they looked under year one of Brian Kelly was impressive. So that's going to be kind of a, a clash of the Titans. And we also talked about the fact that I don't think a loss to LSU, which again, I don't think will happen, but it's possible. Um, I don't think a loss to LSU even precludes it from being a could win best case scenario. Cause if you finish 11 and one, you've beaten Clemson, you've beaten twice. Florida, right? Twice you've beaten Miami. And that alone, I think, should be enough to get you into the playoff, depending on what happens else around the country. It depends on what LSU does, right? But but look at Oregon, right? They lost to, to Georgia 52-3. to I was, I was actually at that game. And um, they were still in the conversation until they lost again down the stretch. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't even – I've heard people say, well, if you keep it I, – I, here's how I'll put it, Dave, for that first week. As a fan, Fred, I hope you're listening, I want nothing more than to beat LSU. But as an – analyst and a college football observer, I'm more looking to see how both teams look and kind of look at what's happening between the scoreboard, right? Like I'm not really, I don't think the final score is going to tell you exactly who these two teams are or where the trajectory is. I think that how they play on the field is going to tell you a lot. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and there's still, there's still a lot of unknowns for this team, even though we have an awful lot coming back. Like you brought in all these impact transfers who I think we know a lot about their game. Like that's the benefit of this transfer portal era is you kind of have more known quantities coming in that you're not relying on freshman talent. So we have a better idea of what that's going to look like, but you know, you never know, you never know what, what the kids are going to look like until they get on the field. So the best case scenario for this team, you brought in an awful lot of additional talent to supplement what was already, I think getting the most out of the 2022 roster. So there, there's a pretty like big degree of, I think variance in terms of, you know, what you can expect out of the, the cohesion of this team. But I, I mean, when you go through like an individual breakdown of the position groups and of the players, I, this is the most talented Florida State roster since that Orange Bowl win, I think. So the could win scenario, I don't think is that far from reality. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of variance in consequence, but not a lot in wins and losses. What I right. mean by that is the difference between a nine win season and a 12 win season in consequence is the difference between college football playoff appearance and, well, I guess 13, right? So let's say 11 and 13 is the difference between conference champion, college football playoff appearance, and hoping your conference champion gets to the playoffs so you can play in an Orange Bowl. It seems like a huge deal because of what you get for each one, but 11 and 13 in the grand scheme of things is not a huge level of variance. So that's how I view this team, right? Because they're really, it's going to be one or two losses that make the difference between very different outcomes. Uh, but anyway, and it, but one or two losses can come down to four points. We saw that with Alabama this year, and it kept them out of the playoff, right? Um, let me ask you this before we move on to should win. Yep. What, do you, what do you view as kind of the linchpin 
for getting to that could win scenario? Like, what is your biggest question mark that, for example, it's better with an example. What is your version this year? Doesn't have to be a player, but of your Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman's where like, if they hit the way those two did, it's like, yes, that's huge. And if they don't hit, it will substantially impact the the, the performance of the team. Well, one, I'm looking at Fisk along the defensive line. I think we're placing okay. Robert Cooper on the inside. I think if you can establish the line of scrimmage on defense, which you really struggled to do in that bowl game, you saw way too many long running plays, especially stretched to the outside. So I want to see a better job of setting the run for that defense. And I think Fisk has a lot to do with that coming in. Uh, number two is this is such an easy answer it's a cop-out but jordan travis playing 12 regular season games not missing a regular season game because he did a great job of 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 eliminating the luck portion of injury Mm -hmm. by not taking as many hits you know maybe not going for that extra foot when it's not critical let let me cut you off on that real quick though how how many games do you think jordan Travis on this schedule do you think travis has to play for you to win like, how many of these games do you think you have no shot of winning without him? Because I'm looking, and I won't tell you which ones till you answer, but I think there's maybe only three or four that you can't win with Tate Rodemaker. I don't even think there's four. I think there's only, I think there's three at a maximum you can't win with Tate Rodemaker. It's definitely LSU and Clemson. Yep. I, I don't know. It's either Florida or Miami. Like, neither of those teams really scares me, so I do think we could beat them with Tate Rodemaker, but I, I think it's Duke. Duke was my other one. I think you're. I think if they keep improving, um, especially with Elko and the way he's got that team playing, uh, but anyway, yeah, but my point is like, yes, obviously you want your QB to stay healthy. Yes, that's important for a deep run. But this team's in a position now where it's not like last year where the difference between Jordan Travis staying healthy and getting hurt was Norvell still being or not still being your head coach. It's like it's a much smaller delta this year, which is is really exciting. Yeah, and that's a testament to what the team has been built around just the most important position on the field. But I think yeah. that's enough could win uh, sure. plausible that we could win all of our games and make a playoff. But let's move on now to should win. Should win, I think we we discussed being kind of the realistic scenario, like average injury luck, average schedule. What What is your should win? How many games should this team win if you were to play it 100 times on an average season? I, I'll, I'll spare you all the numbers because that's what I've been working on today. I think should win, right, is I would say – that was a successful season. Not everything we wanted, but you know, it, it was a successful season. It's like getting a Chewbacca mask for Christmas and it's okay that it's not movie quality. Right. So I, I think for me, it is, uh, it, it's that it's 10 regular season wins, right? Because you know, you have, well, no, see, that's the problem. Now I want it all, but I look, I think if you win 10 games and beat both rivals, uh, and you lose to Clemson twice or you lose to LSU Clemson once, I don't think I would, I wouldn't be happy about it. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm fired up to lose, but that would be measurable progress. But I'm, I, uh, gosh, dude, I, I know. I wish I gave a better answer to this. No, let me tell you back. I, I honestly, that, that brought a new thought in my head. The only thing I really want to do this year, frankly, I want to beat Clemson. That's my should. No, no, I'm serious. I, I think should yep. it, to me, no matter what happened, what else happens, I will not be fully satisfied with this season unless you beat Clemson because they've beaten us seven years in a row. Right. And in 16, you had that ridiculous chop block call that just now, uh, admittedly, I do think they called it a block below the waist and the rule had just changed. So I, I'm not selling my boy Freddie Stevenson out. I'm just saying I do think it, whatever, it was stupid regardless. You could have won that this year. It felt super winnable. It, that us beating them, it's like, it's like them beating us in 2015. Like you have to get over that hump 
or else it's going to feel like you're still just the second best of the of the ACC. So um, I'm going to change my answer. My should, like what needs to happen for me to feel good about the season, you got to beat Clemson. I th- okay, that that's an interesting starting point because would you rather beat Clemson twice and, say, lose to – uh, LSU and one of our rivals, Florida or Miami. So we're talking like a like a your conference champions, but you went zero and two against the SEC. Um, okay, remember, folks, this is would you rather. I'm not saying I would like either of these options. I, I would rather beat Clemson twice because of what it says about the long term of the program. After this year, you're only going to see LSU in playoffs, national championships, and and maybe a high level bowl game, right? You know, you're always going to kind of go back and forth with Florida. Look, you know, you'll always go back and forth with Clemson. I get that. But I think last year you finally said, look, we stopped the skid. We beat Miami for the second year in a row, and we knocked off Florida. Because don't forget, Florida for, what, two years in a row, it had been make or break against Florida, and you just kind of laid an egg, right? You got to get over that Clemson hump. So if you get over it twice in the same season and get a conference championship banner to hang, I, I would, as a pragmatist, have to take that with losses against Florida and LSU. Yeah, that makes sense. So Clemson is still the fifth most talented roster in the country, and they're more talented than you, but you still had a legitimate chance to beat them in 2022. I don't see a, a plausible scenario where everyone accepts that Florida State is back on the national stage and the college football playoff is taking a Florida State team seriously. That's not able to overcome its own easy conference. The ACC is... Yep. Think, think what you want about it. We had we have some high-quality teams towards the top and, and in the middle of the pack, like, ironically, like an NC State becoming pretty good, and, you know, so and Wake Forest and Pitt. So you have some decent teams towards the top, but none of those were serious playoff contenders. And I think you're right that you have to get back towards the top of the poor conference if you want to be taken seriously. And Clemson, they, look, they have a new quarterback. Kate Klubnick's going to be the guy, for better or for worse. Um, DJ, you couldn't get the job done in Dabo's eyes. Obviously, he's made a big coaching change. So they obviously read the room and think Florida State probably is a serious threat to them. And that should be the case now. I think you're right. Losing to Clemson twice next year, for example, in the regular season in the ACC championship would be awfully deflating, although you would still be, what, 10 and 2? No, you'd still be 11. You'd be 11 and 2. 11 and two, it'd be really, really hard to be aggravated about 11 and two when your only losses are to the torchbearer of the conference. But it feels right to me what you're saying that the should win has to be getting back to the top. So yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. I think- and you can split games with them, by the way. If you do play them twice and you beat them once, they beat you once. That right. that happens a lot in football. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to say, well, they no, no, that that would at least now you've made it back and forth because let's let's do one more little exercise in the scenario. Let's look at it in a two-year spectrum, right? Well, then you could say, look, over two years, we split games with LSU, who was the SEC West champion, and next year, assuming they have a similar year, you know, they're a respectable team. Over two years, you split games with Florida. Over two years, you beat Miami twice, and you beat Clemson once, and you split games with them this year. I think that is a much better story of the climb of this program. And I know everyone wants success right now, right? Trust me, I I feel you. I want want to... Freaking win a national championship this year so damn bad. Like, look at my channel. That's why we're, you know, I'm involved with the battles in because I want that to happen more than life itself, it feels like. But let's be pragmatic. I mean, to me, that is what you have to do. You have to set a new high watermark of, yes, we are a program now that can not just have good games, but can beat literally any team in our conference, including Clemson. Yep, I'm I'm right there with you. I think 
if, if you're talking about an average season with average injury luck, I think eight of those games on your schedule are probably, I don't want to say guaranteed, but pretty close to it. So you talk about like four meaningful regular season games. I think just on the whole, an average season, you, you have to leave the regular season with double digit wins mm-hmm. against, depending on how the schedule ends up shaking out, we'll find that pretty soon. But that's my benchmark. You got to get double digits in the regular season. You got to play in the ACC championship game which thankfully now the divisions are gone should be easier to happen since we're both in the same division well, we're in the same division. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I am with should win. I think, so we have one part left now. Let's talk. will win max. I don't want to get negative here, um, but will win. I think is probably the, the most pessimistic of the three that could win, should win, will win. Um, so for will win, let's talk like, What would 2023 have to be? What would have to happen for you to leave the season truly disappointed with everything considered? Well, let's not, let's, can we kind of, let me rephrase this. I have an idea because, because we just said like what we just talked about, we'll be disappointed if that doesn't happen. Right. So, so I think instead of wins and losses now, let's look at what you, let's, let's judge it by what you just said. Like which games are sure wins on this schedule. So then like we can look at which games are going to decide whether you're in that should win or could win scenario. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like how many games do you think? I think it is kind of the Jordan Travis thing, but you know, other things could go wrong too. Like how many games do you think that, you know, 75% right of your effort or your ability because of whatever reasons. And, you know, maybe you turn the, maybe it's like Syracuse Clemson last year. You just turn the ball over five times on some fluky stuff, like, but you still escape with a W. So to me, it's like, you know, you definitely you got Southern Miss, North Alabama. Or junior, hopefully that doesn't become a problem. But yeah, other than that. Dude, I you know, here's the thing about about that though, right? And in, in the modern era of college football, I know people come in my mentions and say, What about Dalvin Cook? Yes, Frank Gore Jr. is not Dalvin Cook. He's very good. He's not Dalvin Cook. Because of the way the game is played, I don't think a running back is going to single handedly beat your team. The only way Southern Miss beats you is if they have the reincarnation of Brett Favre the way they did in the 80s and they're able to sling the ball around on you, I think. But I don't even want to discuss that. Anyway, Northern right. Alabama, right? Yeah. And then I think the way your conference lines up, Boston College, they lose Phil Jakovic, and uh, you're going to beat that team soundly. You should beat Miami this year. There's nothing about Miami when you look at the amount of players that have left that makes me think that they should have any chance to beat you on the field. You just beat them 52-3. to three. Or no, isn't that, would you be on 45-3? to 45-3. You right. just beat them. Man, we should have got one more. Yeah, you got Syracuse, Wake, Virginia Tech, and I. I really think at Pitt, you got to beat those teams. So to right. me, it comes down to Duke, Clemson, LSU, Florida. and Florida. Because I look at Utah last year. Wonky stuff happens when you're in the swamp. It's just, it's a tough place to play. I don't think you're going to lose that game. I think you're a much better team than them. But it is. I'm not. You can't sleepwalk through that game, right? So you got Florida. You got LSU. And you got Clemson. And then I think it's either, I think it's Duke, but maybe I'll do a slash there, right? Like Duke or other ACC team. I think there'll be one more ACC team that kind of emerges as like a, you know, as a, not a threat, but you know, not a, not a walkthrough game. Yeah. So if if you look at last year, like I think the will, it's weird because like the could win, what the best case scenario came true. We, We won 10 games last year. That was the best case scenario, I think. Um, and yet we left so much on the table. So there was room for disappointment in a best case scenario year. Like, I think if we played that NC State game again the following week, I think we win that game. 
um, especially if the same events transpire throughout that game. So, I mean, look, if if you went nine and three this year, I guess would would that lead to changes being made in your mind? And I'm not talking about Mike Norvell's job security. I'm saying like, would a nine and three season at this point with the hype of this team and the talent level and the production returning, would that be so disappointing to you that you would want change it that that the average fan would be justified in wanting changes made i will they want them yeah would they be justified i don't i don't think so i mean look it it all depends on why i mean this is a you you know back to last year right we learned the hard way unfortunately where you can be really happy with the result of a season while simultaneously being really disappointed with the outcome of certain games and if that happens again yeah look it it is what it is i mean if this team wins you know, nine may be a little low, but we're not going to start calling for big changes, right? What, you know, now if I'm trying to think, I don't know if you go, if you have nine wins and whether 13 games, your team has eight sacks on the year. Yeah. You might look at, you know, Papuchas and Odell a bit. Um, you know, if the linebackers just look dreadful, you look at Randy Shan, you would do some evaluating, but there's not a single figure that without knowing why the results happened, we could pin this on. But I, I do think to your point, Yes, if you win nine games with this roster coming back, you you would have to evaluate, okay, what happened? Because nine wins, I just, I don't think that would be seen as forward progress by, by the fan base. Or frankly, I don't think Mike Norvell would see that as forward progress. I think he would be very disappointed by a nine-win season. Yeah, you don't you don't have as much talent as you have returning for Florida State. As many guys that had a genuine uh aspirations and ability to go to the nfl all decide collectively to come back together and i think be okay with nine wins because the problem would be going into next year when you lose most of that talent it's like well what's the ceiling for florida state now like in our money year which i think is 2023 with what we have returning and coming in you you can't you can't not set the bar absurdly high or else i think a lot of fans are going to feel like wow we we just saw like the best case scenario with like the best talent and production we're going to have. Like you don't get a Jordan Travis every year. Like, so you're making a really good point um, that as we wrap up here, I, I think it's important to say, and that is comparison truly is the thief of joy, but folks, you can't look to 24 and then look at 22, right? And say, okay, 23 is the best team we think we're going to have in a three year span. So we need to have the best year we could have in the three year span. And then take that logic and apply it to what are the best years Florida State's ever had. Right. There is, you know, there is a lot of that happening among the fan base, right? They're saying, well, if this is the best team we're going to have in them, I mean, not a three-year stretch going one forward, you go like six back, right? And say, okay, seven, six, seven years, best team we're going to have had. So our, our expectation, our best seasons are national championships. That should, you have to judge this team by who this team is. And we won't really know who this team is until we see them play football games. Right. So I understand what you're saying, but I would, I would caution people to, be very wary of looking at 2024 to set expectations for 2023 because football doesn't care how good or bad you're going to be the next year. It's the year in front of you that matters, right? So That's right. And and the good news here, folks, is there's a lot of hope going into this year. I mean, we, we did the schedule breakdown. We've talked about our games throughout this, throughout this episode. And I think I mean, it feels like the kind of schedule and the kind of year that lines up for an 11-win season, which really, to me, means that that could-win scenario is not that crazy to think. Like, if, if you're talking about 11 wins for that Miami team down there, that Florida team, then you're talking crazy. But for this Florida State team, 
with what they have returning, I, I think that is just as realistic as it ever has been yep. in the last 10 years for Florida. Well, not 10, but close no, to no, that. It, I mean, yeah, close. So. And, and I'll say that. I mean, folks, again, and don't let your your team's ability compared to the best teams, you know, uh, influence expectations. And this is the last thing I guess I'll say, Dave, but tell me, tell me if, if this tracks with you logically and if you agree. Sure. I don't think this team's as talented as 2013. I don't. I think 2013 beats this team by maybe a touchdown. However, I don't think that that means we shouldn't be as excited head into this year as we were about that team because I think the ceilings are very similar. Um, in fact, I think, you know, you look at the 2012 team, not as talented as 2013. They were two losses away, one by one point, and then maybe if they had it on the line, they beat that Gators team at home from going to a national championship, right? So it's like, based on the landscape of college football, I don't think other than probably Georgia, and we'll have to see what they do without Stetson Bennett and, you know, without some of those guys, although I don't want I got to be careful. I don't want them to play me in their locker room and say, I said they were going to win five games. (laughs) But the point I'm making is that you don't have to judge and say, is this team as good as 13? Is this team as good as 99? Is this team as good as 93? Because they don't have to play those teams or play during those seasons. They get to play in this year. And they have a very realistic shot of playing for a national championship this year. And you should be excited about that. Don't let us, when we talk about realistic expectations, deflate you because, dude, it's a hell of a time to be a Florida State Seminole right now. That is exactly right. Look, we've won three national championships now in the last three decades. Um, not saying this team's going to win a championship, but it's a team that has a path to the playoff. And that more than we ever dreamed would be possible just a couple short years ago. So thank you, Max, for joining me on today's episode. Before I wrap up, I want you to tell everybody, in case they don't already know which they should, where to find you. Folks, you can find me on the Battles End channel uh, on YouTube. It's Again, just search the Battles End. You can find me on Twitter at MaxMoody17. You can find me on TikTok at The Seminole Executive Brief and all that good stuff. But make sure you are subscribed to these guys because this will always be home numero uno, brother. And I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Max. Thank you for being here. And you should go check out Max's content. It is great, as you would expect. And thank you for being here on Locked on Seminoles and making us your first listen each and every day for our podcast. Find you wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play. I'm sure there's other places. Or the YouTube. Like the video if you could. It takes two seconds. And you should like it because we just said Florida State has a chance at a national championship, basically. And subscribe to the channel. That takes two seconds. Ding the little bell. Turn your notifications on. You'll know when our content drops. And leave us a comment. Should win, could win, will win. We want to hear yours. And we want to see you here tomorrow on Locked on Seminoles. Thank you for listening, everybody. 